0: We are talking last week, the week before, the week before that, about Jesus, our example. That's what we're here for. This is what we're here for, to meet with Jesus. Um, I was wondering during the week how many of us have been in trouble with the law. Roger, have we been in trouble with the law? Clive, no? What would it look like? I wonder if we were to think of being in trouble with the law. Flashing lights, a fugitive, manhunt, helicopters, sergeants, judges. Well, you know, in Bible times, it wasn't like that. It wasn't the criminal justice system, the secular one. It was sacred. It was holy. It was God's law. And instead of police, sergeants, inspectors and detectives, rabbis and teachers of the law, perhaps even reverends and and curates and PCC. Um, My most exciting time, I think, when I met with the law was recently, when I was 19. (laughs) And uh, I was waiting for a bus, and a policeman looked at me and he said, uh, have you got a bit of time? I said, yeah, it's a long... It's a, I had to wait a long time. He said, come over to the police station. You can be in a lineup. You can be in the line as you know, the witnesses pick out the, the guilty person. Um, I was innocent. <laughs> but I still felt edgy. It was a bit, a bit of a nervous time. Um, I read this evening... Is from John. Where does it come up there? John eight, one to eleven. I'll start with verse one. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. I'm going to stop there because this is important. Why did Jesus go to the Mount of Olives? Well, if we go back during the previous chapter, this is the Festival of Tabernacles. You may remember that Jesus' brothers and family said, you've got to go to Jerusalem if you want to be a public figure. And he said, my time has not yet come. So he didn't go with them, but halfway through the week, he goes down and he joins in at this festival. And the previous day, he'd been in some bother. He'd been teaching in the courts, maybe done a miracle, something like that, a bit of a fuss. Anyway, this was a week-long festival. So think Belchamps, Belchamps, AD 32, Everyone's camping around. In the Festival of Tabernacles, they had shelters. For a week, the the whole of Israel came to Jerusalem, and and they lived in these shelters. They had to remember the time when they had left Egypt. Um, So when it says that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, there were probably him and lots of other people camping there. And then verse 2, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple (coughs) courts, where all the people gathered round him, and he sat down to teach them. I was thinking of Belchamps again, I was thinking of um, Bill and Shirley on their deck chairs, and I was thinking of uh, perhaps even Rabbi Tom and Teacher of the Law um, Teresa, and you know we'd all be there, wouldn't we, Belchamps? Let's go through the rest. Verse three: The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Verse 6, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up, and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stepped uh, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Speak to God. So There's three groups in this story. We've got the accusers, the teachers of the law. And I was thinking about what is their motivation here? Well, surely their motivation is justice. And then I was thinking about the nurses going on strike. They want justice, don't they? They've been wrong. They want want justice. And then I thought, well, these accusers, these teachers of the law, if they really wanted justice, if they want this lady um, in trouble, they probably would have brought the guy along too, not just her, perhaps, if they wanted justice, or, or maybe even not to the new guy, not to Jesus, perhaps to Sanhedrin or the, or the, the elders at the time. And we're told, aren't we, in the, in the passage that they were there to trap him, they were trying to trap him. And that made me think a little bit more about Belchamps again. And I was imagining Nick and Tom, and Steve and Mike, and they've arranged everyone, the, the, we, we got a guest speaker, don't we, last year at, at Belchance? But at the, at the Festival of, of, of Shelters, of Tabernacles, there wouldn't have been guest speakers. Everybody would have known everybody. So if this new guy rocks up, you can imagine Tom and Nick going, who's, who's this new guy that stood up to speak? And they would have tried to find out, well, what's, what's your credentials? Where are you from? Where did you do your curacy? Perhaps. Are you up the candle or down the candle, maybe? And we know some of the questions, don't we? Should we pay our taxes to the Romans? Um, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They were trying to to check out Jesus. Um, But we think, judging by the Scripture, they were actually more concerned with perhaps how they looked in their own careers, and they wanted to to put Jesus in his place. Um, Let's move on, the accused, the lady, that's her. How's her day going? How's her life going? How is she feeling? I was thinking humiliated, dishonored, blamed, guilty, ashamed. Pretty lonely place to be, I'm sure, in front of those those people. And then we have Jesus. He's the third party. And he's, uh, he's playing the part of judge, isn't he, this, in this passage? And I thought about three things to do with him, three questions. The first one was, well, does Jesus agree with God's law, Moses' law? Does he agree with it? And does he uphold God's law? In verse 5, it says, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And I love Jesus' response because he ignores them, doesn't he? He doesn't say anything. In fact, he stoops down, he starts writing on the floor. And it's only as they kept on asking him more questions, he stood up and he said, well, whoever of you has no sin, you can throw the first stone. Jesus did know the law. He knew it excellently. We don't know what he wrote on the ground. We We can think about that if we want. But actually, we're not told. And Jesus didn't really listen to the accusers. And he said, you're not the judge here. And gradually, they realized that when he confronted them with their own sin. Their own and they, they left. I think they probably expected Jesus to say yes or no. And he may have got into trouble either way. And that was the trap. That's the first question. The second question is... Well, what does Jesus think of sin then? Does he think, no, that's okay. You can do what you like or we'll let this one go. And he doesn't say that either, does he? Because we know what Jesus thinks of adultery from his words. um, Because he says, even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. He goes even further than Moses' law. He knows more than anyone how hurtful our sins are to ourselves and to Father God. And he acknowledges this, and he calls it sin when he says to her, leave your life of sin. So one, yes, he upholds God's law, and two, he's not okay with sin. These weren't my big questions. My big question was, why does Jesus not condemn her? She was guilty, and she had broken the law, and those things do you grieve Jesus. So the big question is why? Now, we've been on a series about why, how Jesus is our example. And in this one, we're looking at Jesus doesn't condemn. No condemnation. That's an example to us. But why? Do we know who Jesus really is? Well, he's the good shepherd, isn't he? He's the shepherd who leaves the safe, the sorted, the 99, to go after the lost sheep. Why? Because he doesn't want to lose one. He doesn't want to lose any. We're told of the celebration in heaven, aren't we, when one lost sheep, when one sinner repents and comes home the party, the celebration, the joy in heaven. So we're actually finding here, Jesus goes after the humiliated and the damaged and the ashamed and the guilty and the dishonoured. They're special, important, valuable to him. Jesus is often thought of and taught of As compassionate and loving. We've heard that before. Last week he was gentle, and the week before that he was patient. But God the Father, what about him? God doesn't get that praise, does he? We often think of God as a judge and a punisher and the rule maker and the fun police, don't we? But we're wrong if we think that way. Philippians 2 said, Jesus being in very nature God. Jesus in very nature God. And in John 14, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So it's not like Jesus is the yin and God is the yang. It's not like that. Jesus is God, perfectly, the perfect reflection. So in this story, Jesus is demonstrating to us he's being the example of God the Father. So who is God? Who is God? In Exodus, there's this great story where um, Moses and God are having a conversation. uh, Chapter 33 and 34, if you want to find it. Um, You may know the story where Moses comes down the mountain with the tablets, the Ten Commandments, and the Israelites have gone and made the, um, the golden calf, and they're worshipping that. And he goes, Moses goes nuts, obviously, and then he goes back up the mountain to God again. And he has this chat, um, and he says to God, God, you've told me that I know you by name, and God, you've told me that I have found favor with you. And Moses says to God, I want to see your glory. Show me who you are. And God replies and he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, God says. And they arrange a date for the next day. And the next day, the Lord comes down in the cloud and he proclaims his name. The Lord, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is Jesus being this God in this story. It's on the same day as God is giving the commandments, he gives the commandments on the second tablets. And he does say he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. So God does have the judge side to him, but he is made of love. So who is he? God is compassionate, loving, forgiving, gracious, patient, and Jesus is the same. Jesus is our example. John 3.16, we probably know it, for God so loved the world. God, like Jesus, the good shepherd, does not want to lose anyone, anyone, anyone of his sheep. He is concerned about the wandering sheep and the lonely sheep and the damaged sheep and the workaholic sheep and the guilty, humiliated sheep. That is us, isn't it? Just going back to my story for a second in, in my lineup, um, the witnesses did not choose me. They didn't point the finger at me. I got away. And me and the other people we came out, there was, there was I think, seven or eight of us. And uh, I had been waiting for a bus, if you remember. Uh, my bus had left. I missed my bus. And the sergeant who brought us out and put everyone on their bus, he, he had a choice to make, didn't he? He could have said, thanks very much, you're on your own now. But he didn't. He said, jump in the car, let's go. And he rang the bus station, he said, where is that bus? And they radioed the bus, and he said, that's where it is. And the... They put on the lights and I'm sitting in the front of this police car going after this bus, like this was the best day ever. <laughs> on the wrong side of the road with things pulling out of the way. And this is, uh, I don't know, five or six miles, good enough anyway. And the bus is stopped in two lanes at a traffic lights on the right hand side. And the police car pulls up beside the bus on the wrong side of the road. And my policeman friend gets out and he knocks on the driver's window and he says, put him on the bus. That's a bit like Jesus. He doesn't say you're on your own. He says, I'll go with you. In our story in John 8, Jesus has a choice to make. It's a choice between two people. There's the lady, and there's Jesus. He has a choice to make. It's you that's gonna be punished, or it's me. Jesus wasn't going to change God's law, and he couldn't change this lady's guilt, but he still chose not to condemn. He chooses not to condemn today. He chooses compassion because that's who he is. and That's who he's like. He's like his father. He chooses to be the woman's savior. He puts himself in her place. That's how much his love and compassion is. Jesus did not want to lose one. He still does not want to lose one. God the Father does not want to lose any. He does not want to lose one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love, that you are forgiving. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like you in not condemning and in not judging and for all of us who are wayward sheep. Father God, thank you for giving your son, Jesus, to take our place to make that choice. And I pray that, like Nick said earlier, this, this homecoming Inviting Lost Sheep back, bringing ourselves back. Lord, I pray that you would put uh, people on our hearts to pray for. Lord, that you would draw us home back to you, deeper, closer, and that you would help us to invite our family and our friends because you do not want to lose any. In Jesus' name we pray.